Hey guys, this is Robert from Limitless Broadcasting. And Sammy. I was getting to you. (laughs) But we wanted to tell you some exciting news. We are going to be at the Indiana Comic Con, March 22nd through the 24th. That's going to be at the Indianapolis or... Indiana Convention Center. In Indianapolis, let's say that. (laughs) So if you were going to the convention, please come over to the Limitless Broadcasting booth Mm -hmm. and say hello. Yeah, I believe it was booth 1710. 1710. Yes, so it's a huge convention. Yeah. Probably the biggest one I think we've been to. Yeah, this is going to be like Megacon. Yeah, unfortunately I will not be there in person. Robbie will be there but he's going to have some uh, fun friends with him. Yes. Including, I believe, from Pixie Dust Twins, Ashley. First con for her. And so if you're there, ask us about Rant Radio because you can win $1,000 from Limitless Broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very excited about that. And who doesn't love a good rant? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we will, or I guess I should say Robbie, will see you soon at the Indiana Comic Convention. And what days... Are you going to be there one more time? Uh, we're going to be there the 22nd through the 24th of March. Mm-hmm. So we'll see you guys there soon. We'll see you there. Bye. Bye. You're listening to the Limitless Broadcasting Network. All it takes is faith and trust. Oh, and something I forgot. Dust. Just a little bit of pixie dust. Welcome, foolish mortals, to the Pixie Dust Twins podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Sammy. Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Shall we begin? It's time to get things started on the most sensational, inspirational, celebrational, motivational show. Welcome, Pixie Dusters. We're your favorite hosts. I'm Sammy. And I'm Ashley. Welcome to the Pixie Dust Twins podcast featuring Dan. Yay. <laughs> And as always, you're produced by Limitless Broadcasting. Make sure after the show, you go check out all of our social medias, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, etc. The works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all um, the things. Yes, all the things. I cannot believe it's April, and I cannot believe we're already in Star Wars. Yeah. Time yeah. flies, man. Time flies. It really does. Like, the next thing you know, we're going to be in Harry Potter, and I'm going to be like, wait a second, I didn't read everything yet. That whole that whole section of this is just going to spawn out into its own podcast in and of itself. Like it's just going to manifest as something else. Well, mm. we have I. Where have I mentioned it? I've mentioned it on my my own podcast. Oh, your show. Yeah, mm-hmm. you talked about And then that. I posted it on TikTok about us doing Harry Potter this summer. And I've had like a I had a ton of people at that point be like, "What's your show called? When is the Harry Potter podcast <laughs> it's coming coming. It's like, Oh, our views are going to like rocket during yeah, Harry Potter I'm anticipating summer. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. everyone is still just obsessed. Mm-hmm. So, That's very you true. Know, 
They are. But uh, this month, so this month and next month, uh, Pixie Dusters, April and May, we're doing a little shorter Star Wars than what we've done. Well, I mean, the shortest we've done is one month, but mm -hmm. shorter than last year. Yeah. Um, we are doing a lot of the randomness of Star Wars. So mm -hmm. first, first two episodes, we're talking about the history of George Lucas. We're talking about the history of John Williams, uh, our amazing composer who we love so much. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're going into like, vintage so ewoks and the yeah. droid series and mm -hmm. yes we are going to talk about the infamous uh star wars holiday special I'm excited. special uh, that shall not be named this, yes the only place you can get it is on youtube and it's like bootleg versions because <sighs> i read george lucas bought up everything so no one could ever distribute or put it on air and it's like Jeez. no one must see this. this morning and i'm like Oh dang, he bought everything. You know, I'm I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm pretty sure my family's got like an old VHS that they actually recorded when it came out. Wow. I guarantee See, you, if I did some digging, I'd probably mm -hmm. find it. Because that's that the first time I ever saw it was on that. Well, well, that's literally the only way anyone could have it, is if yeah. they recorded it after yeah, it was That's hilarious. When it came out. Um so yeah, we're gonna do a lot of that stuff. We also are gonna talk about indoor. We're also gonna talk about uh, the Mandalorian, which is out right now, um, mm -hmm. going on its episodes. As of today, I don't know where it is. I haven't even started watching it yet as of our recording day, but mm -hmm. I don't think I'm missing anything. Episode list. Tales of the Jedi. I don't think you Tales of that. the Jedi. Right. That yeah. is a new TV show that came out as well. It's a cartoon. It's a short cartoon. So I'm excited for that as well. And then we have some like droid, like vintage droids and stuff. So. Mm -hmm. Sweet. It'll be a, yeah. it'll be a good two months, and mm -hmm. of course, as always, we're gonna have we have a couple Star Wars fans other than us three mm -hmm. that are gonna be joining us. Um, Ike from um, Ike's Flame, uh, Isaac, who was on our show in November, is gonna be joining us uh, towards yep. the end uh, of the series. We have a new, um, a new guest. Her name is Lexi. I gotta coordinate uh, with she's her. Gonna be she is gonna be on one episode. We don't know which one. It, yet uh was there anybody else or was it just lexi and i think i don't know it. if you were gonna ask hope if she wanted to be on any star wars related thing ah yes um and i'm gonna yeah well that one's not actually one that we've talked to yet so i'm not gonna mm -hmm. announce that until later mm -hmm. um but yeah so we'll see other faces on the podcast so we'll mm -hmm. have a fourth box mm -hmm. nice yeah, yeah. it'll nice. be fun uh but let's... it is growing yeah. it is the growing. podcast is growing i love guests I know, I love guests too. Um, okay, so let's jump in. We are talking about George Lucas, or in full name, George Walton Lucas Jr. He's a junior. I never knew that. I didn't know I that. I literally never knew that. I find that so funny because of Indiana Jones. Junior. Oh my, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah, mm -hmm. there you go. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, things are connected. more of himself. There's a tie in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was actually born May 14th. Holla, May birthdays. I make uh -huh. mm -hmm. Uh But he's 1944. A little, 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 little older. Slightly little removed older. from uh, yeah. our generation. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in Modesto, California. Um, of course, he is known as a motion, motion picture director, producer, screenwriter, and of course, has uh, created several of the most popular films in history. Mm-hmm. Um, just so you guys know, uh, because I'm a stickler with sources, I use Britannica.com for a lot of his stuff. I used Wikipedia because some of it is true. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What else did I use? I think biography.com. So I got all this stuff from different sources. This is mm-hmm. not something I wrote myself. Just FYI. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate yeah. <laughs> well, English. Mm-hmm. It, it ha- I mean, no, I like. mean, that's why we have English people here. Yeah. Or English. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. why it's where my brain goes every time. What was my source? So I don't get played. So I don't mm-hmm. get called plagiarism. Exactly. Um, or just or misinformation or misinformation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the son of a small town stationer and a mother who was often hospitalized for long periods of ill health. Hmm. So his mom, mom didn't, wasn't doing so hot. Mm-hmm. Um, he was born and raised in a Methodist family. Uh, and a lot of the religious and mythical themes in Star Wars were actually inspired by his interest in writing, in the writings of mythology from Joseph Campbell. Hmm. So pretty much... He grew up in the Methodist faith. He thought it was interesting, but he really liked the mythology side of religion Mm -hmm. and started to identify strongly in the Eastern religious philosophies Mm -hmm. and then decided to incorporate a lot of that into the major inspiration for the force. So the forces, if you do not know, I mean, (laughs) the four, like for me as a, because I identify as a Christian, Mm -hmm. for me, I I look at the force and I can identify it with my religion, but any religion really can identify with Mm-hmm. the force because mm-hmm. it really is kind of an all-encompassing thing that feels very t- tied strongly into just religion in general yeah. right mm-hmm. it's it's archetypal i mean there's any story yeah. that you see from any culture or spirituality or whatever there's always a sense of you know light versus dark mm-hmm. you know good versus true, evil true. like mm-hmm. you know and and especially like with the eastern side like it's kind of hard to get away from that when it comes to the force because in the east it's very much about balance Yes. About, you know, mm-hmm. like the yin and the yang and all that. So it's, it's yeah. yeah, you definitely see a lot of that permeating through his work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, he come he came to state at one point in his life that his religion is Buddhist Methodist. I can see that. Hmm. Is that a real thing or has he made that up? He's just combining things. I'm, I'm sure there's people who identify that. I've never heard of that personally, but I wouldn't be surprised. I'm going to look into it. I mm-hmm. saw that when I was doing the notes. I'm like, that sounds interesting. I want to know what that is. <laughs> I would I would imagine it's like the foundational beliefs of some things in Methodist, but like with the practice of Buddhism. I mean, I don't know much about Buddhism, but I know there's a lot of it has to do with like, like I said, like I said, balance. Well, it's just yeah. an interesting combination because on the Methodist side, they only believe in mono, um, okay. God, right? And then on mm-hmm. the Buddhist side, they believe in Pali, right? Multiple, uh, mm-hmm. multiple. Are there multiple, I, I didn't know there were any gods in Buddhism. I thought it was just like, like is a, there? A or am I thinking of, of Hinduism? Hinduism oh, no, I think that's Hinduism. Is, is polytheism. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'm, I'm mixing them up. Yeah. No, that's definitely I, Hinduism. You're right. I'll do yeah. the research. It'll be fine. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. <laughs> well, we. this is not the podcast for Yeah. <laughs> um, Anyways, moving on. Uh, He actually became interested in filmmaking while he was in high school. He was also a car racing fanatic. And as a teenager, Mm -hmm. had a near-fail crash at 18, which Mm -hmm. convinced him to give up the sport. That'll do it. So if he didn't have a near-fail crash, we might have never had Star Wars. Mm. 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 
interesting. But anyways, uh, his interest in movie making was encouraged by cinematographer Haskell Wexler. I don't know who this person is. I'm assuming it's a teacher of some person. So uh, the funny thing is, is I heard this. Uh, we're all highlighting it right now. <laughs> we're like Google. <laughs> so what's interesting is Haskell Wexler was a name that was used in a TV show that I love. It, it's uh, it, at a like college. It was like Wexler College and it was like a supernatural school. Uh, have you guys ever heard of the librarians? I've heard of it. Yes. This. And okay. I think that's because I know the name rings a bell. I couldn't place where. Mm -hmm. it, it's in one of the episodes of okay. the librarians, which is like one of my favorite shows. Um, gotcha. So it, did you find anything, Sammy? Um, let's see. He was a consultant on American Graffiti. Let's see what else. Um, he was a cinematographer on America, America. And I have no idea what that is, but apparently that was big enough that Wikipedia mentioned it. By the way, I just went to Wikipedia. <laughs> I guess <laughs> okay. it seemed the easiest way to do it. I have not heard. Um, he did work on television's The Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. I feel like I've maybe okay. heard cool. that, right? Yeah. Um, well, cinematography, like, Dan, pretty much cinematography is is just like camera it is give us an explanation of what that is so basically cinematography is the direction of the overall visual look and feel of a film so it's more than just camera it's yes. how it's okay. going to how the scene's mm -hmm. going to be set up uh what the lighting's going to look like how it's mm -hmm. going to be you know shapes and lines and the overall tone um mm -hmm. This is why uh, we have Dan. He has this degree. <laughs> I, I know a little bit about it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, it, it literally is like you're kind of a maestro. Like, you know, okay. look yes. at it as in, in a way you're kind of a conductor. And then like the camera operators are like the individual people who play the instruments. Cinematographer is ah. like, you know, the kind of, I mean, he does camera work usually, but he's, it's his vision that guides everything. So he's like the, the, um, the film version of John Williams. Kind of, yeah. I mean, John it, Williams is a conductor. The, yeah, cinematography in terms of of visual style. Yeah, um, and obviously I'm not the, saying exactly the same, but like they're yeah. They're there's really it, it's kind of like a top three when it comes to film. There's the director, obviously, and then there's mm -hmm. a cinematographer, and then the mm -hmm. first AD. They're the ones who kind of like are in charge of everything on set. Right. Um, gotcha. So they're kind of like the you know the the main you know the holy trinity. Yeah, um, help bring the story together. Exactly. Gotcha. Well, yeah. a, co a common joke back in film school was, what's the biggest difference between a cinematographer and God? God doesn't think he's a cinematographer. I could see that, unfortunately. Okay, that's yeah. funny. Cinematographers, they, t they tend to get egos. Yes. Uh, mm. uh, yeah. Yes. Don't most people in this industry. Oh, indeed. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, um, yeah. one more thing. He was, uh -huh. he was fired from one flew over the cuckoo's nest. So there you go. Oh, dang. He was fired. That might be why we <laughs> I don't, don't know, know why, of but him he was okay. um, Let me see. Oh, it does say. It says he thinks he was fired because he has radical left political views. Hmm. In Hollywood? I don't know. That's what And he got fired does. for left? Yeah. Well, if it's during One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, I was probably a little more conservative back then, I'm guessing. Potentially, yeah. Because yeah. I was, was like 75. 70, right? 75, yeah. yeah 75, one so. flew over the cuckoo's nest was very left cuckoo. I mean, that wouldn't strike uh, me as a right. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I have. I had to watch it for, what did I have to watch it for? One of my film classes. I would not say I it's a right-wing film at all. Creative no. writing. Mm -mm. 
when I did my creative writing masters, I had to do a film class or two for screenwriting, and they made mm-hmm. us watch movies. And Cuckoo's Nest was one of them. I actually owned it. I got oh, rid cool. of it though. I was <laughs> like, I'm fan, never right? gonna open this again. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. No, because I we had to read it in school too, and I think we watched it in it? school. Oh. Yeah, I had to get on uh, that. themes of literature with uh, uh, the, what was her name? The teacher you guys didn't like sophomore year for your honors class. I can't remember her name. Oops. Sammy's not listening to me. Hmm? Okay. Oh, you're talking to me? I thought you were yes. talking to me. I was, I was for like, sure not listening. I didn't have a teacher. I'm like, I was like, okay, teachers. wait, wait, start this again. I'm so Who sorry. Was your honors teach- who was your honors teacher? What was it, sophomore or junior year? It was a female. You guys Ms. needed her. Was it uh, Miss Chapman? No. Yes, Chapman. Chapman. Yeah. I had we, we didn't her with Miss Chapman. Okay, we didn't like her at first because she was a new teacher and it, she was trying to like assert her dominance and it was like a whole thing. And we were like, you just <laughs> calm down. We're not that serious in this class. It's okay. And then we liked her after that. Gotcha. It just went up to her. Gotcha. I liked her. Um, anyway. I had a music professor who tried that and then never mellowed out. So. Yeah, see, that's that's mm. not that's not good. It doesn't work yeah. well. Nah. Well, that's not okay. Side note: that's what they actually teach you in school in in um, education is to go in hard like that, so that way they know that you are in charge. But I and I had to do that too because mm-hmm. I was a twenty two year old teaching seventeen and eighteen year olds, and it doesn't work. It doesn't mm-hmm. work at all like mm-hmm. i think that's half that was half my problem when i was teaching the other half was the fact that i was a 22 year old teaching 17 and 18 year olds right mm-hmm. practically the same age um but yeah mm-hmm. we are way seems- off topic yeah <laughs> no go ahead dan <laughs> no i was say it seems like it'll be a self-defeating thing it's like the more you try to assert your dominance the more they lash back so it's just yeah, exactly you know, know. destructive pattern mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know there's, mm-hmm. there's got to be a balance in there somewhere i'm not a teacher so you know I'll, i have taught like a one-on-one like i've taught guitar before Mm -hmm. and i've noticed that like when you like really just trying to get on their level Mm -hmm. and explaining things with authority not so much authority over them but authority on the topic and Mm -hmm. then like asking them okay does this make sense does this resonate with you and Mm -hmm. if not how can i explain it better in my experience that's been better but again that's one-on-one personal that's not a classroom setting so but honestly thinking back on like the teachers we had and then thinking on like what I'm doing now, even though I'm not teaching in school, I'm teaching ministry. Um, or I did teach ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's the same thing. It mm-hmm. is exactly what you just said. It's more of, you don't want to go in like thinking your way up here. You need to go in and get on their level, but also have an authority on the topic mm-hmm. and relate to them in some way, shape right. or form. But for some reason, when you go in as a new teacher, the professors in school always teach you, like they that you and they're not your friends, but and there is a fine line between friendship and and um, your authority. But mm-hmm. you got to find that balance. And sadly, how they teach you in college does not teach you well on how to find that balance. You just mm-hmm. kind of go and steamrolling and it yeah. turns out bad. Yeah. But anywho, in 1966, Lucas received a bachelor's degree from film, the film department of the University of Southern California in L.A. Mm hmm. And then um, let's see here. While there, future director John Millis, 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 I don't know, who was a classmate, he introduced Lucas to the work of Japanese director. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say this right. Uh, Kurosa Akira. Kurosawa. Kurosara. Kurosara. Akira, I don't know. I am. I do not speak Japanese. It's like four paragraphs up from the bottom on the first first page. page. Oh, first page. I was in the second one. Yeah. Uh, but either way, he's an important mm-hmm. influence in Lucas's work. 
Do you see it, Dan? Yeah, I do. I do see it. Yeah. I mean, my best guess, Kurosawa Akira. I. Yeah, that sounds better than what I said. We'll go with yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, know. That's that's the that's my. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm uh, probably a poser on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucas became wor- began working under Vir- Berna Fields uh, for the United States Information Agency, and that is where he met his first wife, Marcia Griffin, uh, working as a teaching instructor for the class of U.S. Navy students who were being taught documentary cinematography. Lucas directed the short film Electronic Labyrinth, THX 11384EB which won the first prize, won first prize in at the 67 to 68 National Student Film Festival. So he actually taught U.S. students, U.S. Navy students about cinematography during this time. Oh, sweet. When he, and that's where he met his wife, his first wife, Marcia, mm-hmm. who I love. She is, she's, so the documentary I watched on like the Star Wars movies, mm-hmm. she was actually in it, like talking like now, like oh sweet, uh, mm-hmm. and she just I love her. She, yeah. I'm very sad that they didn't met last. She's pretty cool. That's cool. Um, let's see here. He served a six month internship in '67 at Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. and they signed Lucas to direct a feature length version of his prize winning student film um, with. Pola, executive producing, and Robert Duvall and Maggie McOman starring as the illicit lovers. So this was a grim fantasy. So this is that THX one one. Yeah, it's a grim fantasy about a roboticized, dehumanized society in the distant future. So it was released to respective reviews, although it's obvious obvious de- uh, debt to Orwell's novel 1984 and overly uh, deliberate pace kept it from being embraced too enthusiastically by the critics or audiences. So it was liked, but it wasn't accepted, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't the- seen it, but the, the clips that I have seen, it's definitely, it's pretty grim. Like the little clips that I have seen of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. That doesn't, I mean, Especially if it um, mirrors 1984. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Family film of the year right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. 1984. Uh, Let's see here. In 71, Lucas formed uh, the production company, Lucas Films Limited, Mm -hmm. uh, which eventually contained a number of divisions, including Industrial Light and Magic, uh, which was established in 1975 and which was regarded as the most prestigious special effects workshop in American film. Radical. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if you want to know more about Industrial Light and Magic, I believe there is a special on Disney Plus about mm-hmm. it. There Light is. and Magic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw it yesterday and I told each episode and they were all like an hour and three minutes and I was like, God, I really hope we're not talking about this tomorrow because I have not watched any of it. <laughs> No. And I can't watch six hours in one night. Mm, I don't even think much. we have it on the list. I don't think we're talking yeah, about Industrial Light either. Magic. Mm-mm. No. Yeah. No. Uh, let's see here. So I didn't realize this, but um, George and Marsha never had like their own child, like physical blood. Mm-hmm. They adopted. So in 81, they adopted Amanda, uh, their first daughter and only daughter, and then divorced two years later in 83. Mm-hmm. Um, so the documentary I was watching, uh, the un- unplugged or un something, uh, 
documentary was ta- talked about their divorce in it because it happened during like the Star Wars movies. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was it wrecked George. Like the whole thing just wrecked him. Um I can't remember exactly why they got divorced. I should have looked it up. Because Marsha talks about it in the in the documentary, but it was brutal and it was bad and um it just they still haven't talked to this day he still wow. has not talked to her to this day uh since they got divorced wow. something i think there was like a betrayal felt or i don't know mm-hmm. something of that nature but it was it was not good wow uh and then i didn't know this either apparently even as a single parent lucas adopted two more kids Katie, who was born in 88, so she's my my age. Okay. And Jet, who was born in 93. Hmm. So all three of his kids are adopted. I was like, good for you. And then um, all three of his children has appeared in the Star Wars prequels. Um, Apparently, Lucas was in the prequels as well. Did we talk about this last year? I do not remember Lucas being in the prequels. I do not recall this. Mm -mm. I don't either. So I don't know if this is correct. All right. Now, I think I remember his children being in the prequels. Mm. I remember talking about it. I don't remember who they yes. were. But I think they Lucas, weren't they like Anakin's friends or something? Something like Maybe, the little yeah. kids, little yeah. kids running around. Um, but but um, Lucas himself, I'm like, he's directing. Why is he? Why would you say he's in the film? So I think this person might be a little off. Possibly. Um, Possibly. Yeah. Well, and then following his divorce, Lucas was in a relationship with a singer named Linda um, Ronstan. Ronstan? I've never heard of her, but she was in the 80s. Mm. Uh, I mean, I'm surprised we even knew he was in a relationship of any sort. Uh, mm-hmm. She sang like rock, pop, folk, country, and Latin. So mm. I don't think oh, she really got that. Like, I don't think no she idea. was overly... Yeah, I don't Popular. doesn't sound like she was well known. Mm-mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks like she has some Latin uh Latin Grammys. Mm-hmm. Some amu- well, That's she has cool. two Academy Awards, two Emmys, eleven Grammys, three American Music Awards. So apparently she was very big then. So if we mm. said her name to our parents, maybe they would know her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? I'm trying um, to, I'm, I'm looking up her songs trying to see if there's anything I recognize, but Okay. I don't see any. Yeah. Uh, but apparently that did not last because at some point they got they broke up uh, mm-hmm. and we didn't know anything about his dating life until 2006 when he started dating Melody Hobson, who is the president of Ariel Investments and chair of DreamWorks Animation. Hmm. Um, Melody, and I think there's a big age difference. When did I say he was born? 44. 44. Almost. Yes, there's a little bit of an age difference. She was born it's, in 69. Yeah. yeah. I knew it was like 25 years or something like that. But mm. She's younger than my parents. Mm. And Mine too. And older than my parents. Um, yeah. yeah. So they started dating in 2006. Uh, they announced their engagement in 2013 and married. Um, or in, they announced it in January of 2013. They married in June of the same year at Lucas's Skywalker Ranch uh, in California. And then they have one daughter together via surrogate in 2013. So Lucas has four kids. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. From what I understand, they are still married. There has been no divorce. 
Okay. Lucas is a major collector of American illustrator and painter Roman Ro, Roman <laughs> Norman like Rockwell. Dyslexia there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I put the other Rockwell the R in front Roman of Ranks. Um, oh boy. Um Norman Rock Rockwell. Mm. He has a collection of 57 Rockwell paintings and drawings. Wow. And fellow Rockwell create collector and film director Spielberg. Uh they're displayed at the Simonians. Oh my gosh, I can't talk. <laughs> Simonian <laughs> Smithsonian. There Art we go. Museum, There's uh, from 2010 to 2011 in mm-hmm. an exhibit titled Telling Stories. Wow. Yeah. Must be I thought nice that was that rich. He's mm-hmm. a uh, he he is a avid um art connoisseur. I would do stuff like that if I had like a billion dollars. So. Sure. Um yeah. I would have my own library. Mm-hmm. I would definitely collect artwork 100%. Yeah. And be like I'll loan it to books. you. I'll loan it to you for your museum. I'd collect <laughs> it and then I just create my own like gallery where I just have it displayed. Yeah, you know? do Not as like my own but like a, like a room in my house mm-hmm. in my mansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dedicated specifically to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, obviously, but, obviously. Yeah. If I had that much money, of course. You know. Obviously. Yeah. What you else know would you he, have? You know he has his own gallery in Skywalker Ranch. Like, he has to. I'm sure he does. I'm sure oh, he has man. many, many things that we will never have. Well, okay. Dan, mm-hmm. did you ever see Fanboys? I did see Fanboys. Okay. Do you think that some of what they, like, some of the what they saw, like, the the gallery with all the artifacts and stuff. Do you think that was like real from Skywalker Ranch or like, I, I up, like someone's just hopes that's what's there. I, I, first of all, I doubt it's real because they are more protective of that than like NASA. Like, <laughs> you know, so as far as I know, like he, he is, he is just over that. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine it's a combination of imagination and maybe testimonials of people who have actually been there mm. and like maybe a few pictures that people have seen and then just kind of like expounding on that i don't know for sure but mm. i don't see lucas allowing anybody to, to actually shoot a film in that ranch well i ne- i didn't think that he would no i know he wouldn't let him shoot the film in the ranch but i would like telling if they them let like, him mm-hmm. let them kind of know what some of the rooms looked like yeah. or mm-hmm. it could be some that. of it like there's a room they go into where they get grilled by the by the police officer and it's like this almost looks like uh they're in the death star or something okay. and it's like that's not real no but, um, there's no way like the gallery or something like that mm-hmm. but okay yeah. uh last piece uh the of personal information like this is not his history of his films as you guys can tell as i mm-hmm. for our listeners i was trying to give us more of like the person of george lucas which mm-hmm. They don't give you much. No. They are very, very private. He is a very, very private person. And this is all I got. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucas has said that he is a fan of Seth Seth McFarlane's hit show, Family Guy. So we know one of his fam- favorite TV shows. Mm. And uh, McFarlane has said that Lucasfilms was extremely helpful when the Family Guy crew wanted to parody their work. Hmm. I can see that. Yep. Okay. That's what I always appreciate about him. He doesn't take himself too seriously. He has Which no problem laughing at himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except apparently for Star Wars holiday special. Well, because mm-hmm. that's something he did, though. That's, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Bit different. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Different. Yeah. Um, okay. So noteworthy films. I mean, I think we all know these, but it, 
let's just mention him again. As a director, probably his biggest noteworthy films is, of course, American Graffiti, Star Wars A New Hope, and then all three of the Star Wars prequels. Mm-hmm. Everything else that I saw on the director list was either not very well known or was a short, so I didn't add it. Yeah. Uh, he has a lot bigger, he's a lot longer producer list. So his director list only had 20 films on it. His producer list had about 73. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, some of the ones that I wanted to mention, of course, all the Star Wars movies before Disney took over. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, every single thing of Indiana Jones, not just mm-hmm. the Indiana Jones trilogy that he did, but also the Young Adventures of Indiana Jones that I didn't realize were being made all the way up through like early 2000s. I thought they were all in like the 90s, 80s. Mm. Oh, no. It goes into the little bit of the 2000s. Um, I didn't even know that. uh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, And then um, also he produced Body Heat, which is a very popular film. Uh, Labyrinth, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorite films. Mm-hmm. I know it's weird to be one of my favorite, but I love The Labyrinth. Uh, Howard the Duck. And then Willow, um, the mm-hmm. movie, not the TV series. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, I did not know this, he helped produce The Land Before Time. Yeah, I didn't know that either. That I threw me not. off. Mm-mm. I was like, whoa. It threw me for a loop. I'm like, okay, I have to add this. <laughs> Absolutely. Love okay, George. Love mm-hmm. that movie. It's like a it's like a generational thing for it our is. generation. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And before time, like gets you right here. I yeah. mean holy abandonment issues for me, but terrible. You know. uh, really? Yeah, that's why it gets us right here. See, yeah. any anytime somebody talks about the Lion King and how Mufasa's death scarred them for life, I'm like, you people know nothing. New people that know was nothing. Also our generation. Yeah, but I was already I was already world weary from watching Littlefoot's mother's death. Okay. Oh well, yeah. yeah I was already was I was yes. I was already mm-hmm. I was yeah. I I was I was uh you know you children know nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do I have to know? You have to be with me. I'll be with you even if you can't see me. What do you Stop. mean if I can't see you? No, I can always see you. Stop it. No. Stop. No. Don't get me teary-eyed. Uh-huh. People post that on TikTok and I skip it. I'm like, what is wrong with you? I do not want to see this. Yeah. You Lion King kids know nothing. No. Well, okay. Lion King also was heartbreaking for us. Mm-hmm. See, it, it wasn't that heartbreaking for me. I mean, it was that. sad, but it didn't traumatize me. It, was it didn't. Both of them traumatized me. Uh, I think me. I was pretty horrified by all of it. Maybe yeah. it's because like I overheard somebody talking about it, so I kind of mm-hmm. knew it was coming. But even so, like, I mean, my whole thing about, you know, parents dying in movies, I had already just been like, oh, yeah, all right, I'm already. It wasn't the parent dying because every parent dies, parents die in Disney movies all the time. Bambi, for crying out loud. Which Um, traumatized a lot of people, too. Yeah, I know. Um, It's the scar betraying his brother that traumatizes me. Mm. Valid. Totally valid. I can relate. (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um. Yo, yeah, we're going to leave that there. Um, well, now you got me curious. We can talk after the podcast. Okay. Uh, <sighs> but yeah, so Lame Before Time, he helped produce it. Cool. Um, awesome. Awards and honors. He has a lot, so I just copy and paste it, and we'll go through some of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 77, he was awarded the Ink Pot Award. And why didn't I put down what this is? I even looked it up. Where's mm. my explanation? Darn it. Hold on. Uh Oh, the Comic-Con one. Uh, So it's an award uh, that's bestowed annually at Comic-Con International Hmm. uh, 
for professions in the field of comic books, comic strips, animation, science fiction, popular culture, blah, blah, blah. So in 77, he was awarded that. Uh, Let's see here. The American Film Institute awarded Lucas his Lifetime Achievement Award on June 9th, uh, 2005. This was shortly after the release of Revenge of the Sith, which he joked, stating that since he views the entire Star Wars series as one film, he could actually receive the award now that he had finally gone back and finished the movie. Nice. I can see that. That's funny. Uh, I mean, he's right. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Um, He was also nominated for four Academy Awards, Best Director in Writing for American Graffiti and Star Wars. I'm assuming he did not receive them, which Hmm. is stupid. This is nominated, Um, yeah. So, Mm mm-hmm. He received uh, the Academy's Irving G. Falberg Award in 1991. Don't know what that is. Uh, He appeared at the 79th Annual Academy Awards Ceremony in 2007 with Spielberg and Francis Ford Coppola to present the Best Director Award to their friend Martin Scorsese. Scorsese. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, Scorsese. Um, during that speech, Spielberg and Coppola talked about the joy of winning an Oscar, making fun of Lucas, who has not won a competitive Oscar. That's pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> Love it. Uh, pretty um, funny. The Science Fiction Hall of Fame inducted Lucas in 2006, um, its second film, television, and media contributor after Spielberg. See here, the Discovery Channel named him one of the 100 greatest Americans in September of 2008. Lucas served as the Grand Marshal for the Tournament of Roses Parade and made the ceremonial to- coin toss at the Rose Bowl New Year's Day 2007. Uh, in 09, he was one of the 13 California Hall of Fame inductees in the California Museum's year-long exhibit. Hmm. Be here in 2013, Lucas was awarded the National Medal of Arts by President Barack Obama for his contribution to American cinema. Mm-hmm. And then in 14, Lucas received honorary membership of the Society of Motion Picture and Television Engineers. Hmm. So he might have not won a lot of like Oscars and stuff, but he has a lot of uh, yeah. accolades mm-hmm. um, that probably fit more of what he does than, you know, absolutely. I mean... awards. Yeah, uh, Oscar is a category of its own. It's really yeah, not, it's like a whole yeah. nonsense. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> and then in 2015, Lucas was inducted as a Disney legend, mm-hmm. and on December 6, 2015, he was an honoree at the Kennedy Center Honors. And then in 2021, coinciding with Lucasfilm's 50th anniversary, an action figure of Lucas in Stormtrooper disguise was released as a part of Hasbro's. Star Wars, the Black Series. Oh. That's cool. No, yeah. Okay. He has his own action figure that's as a fine. stormtrooper. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's uh, good or bad. I mean, everything he's achieved up until then has been, And they make you him know, a stormtrooper? Right. So it, it's it's silver letter. It, it, it's gold, but the platinum is the platinum achievement that's being an action figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty legit. Yeah. Oh, boy. You know you've really arrived. mm -hmm, When you're an action figure, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that it took them a little too long to induct him as a Disney legend, but, you know, Disney and their dumb dumbness. Well, but when did Disney buy Star Wars? 
But uh, Disney has had a hand or some sort of finger in Star Wars since the 80s when they got no, I don't, Star Wars. I don't disagree with that, but I don't think they're going to make him a Disney legend. They probably waited until they could get their link. Josh Gad became a Disney legend barely a decade after he did Frozen. No, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think their choices in Disney legends sometimes are interesting. Because I I like Josh Gad, but he was not, it's not time for him to be a legend. He needs to do more. No, but I have a feeling George Lucas was more because they were really finalizing their, their bond together. So they were linking. The bond that I think he uh, regrets. Well, (laughs) that's a whole nother thing, but yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I try to wonder what, like, what the mindset is behind, like, who they make into icons. Like Frozen was such an iconic film, but I really don't know much about Josh Gad himself. But he's his like name, I guess, is tied to that. I'm assuming. So he, yeah. So Josh Gad is Olaf. He's yeah. the snowman. A little snowman. Oh, okay, okay, I got you. See, yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Okay, so Gad is Olaf. So literally, <laughs> like, he is the most popular character in that movie scene. I would agree. In that movie duo, what a, it's going to be a trilogy soon. Uh-huh. Um, they're coming out with Frozen. Another 3. one. Uh-huh. Okay. Too much um, Frozen. Yeah, too much. Uh, but it's literally not even been. It just hit a decade. Like 2013 well, is when the original came out. But he got made into a legend just a couple years ago. And I'm like, you've done numbers. nothing else. It is. They numbers. did They did all of the Frozen cast, I believe, the same year. They did yeah. all of them at the same time. But I will say Josh Gad was a, or he attempted to work at Disney. He attempted. They yeah. turned him down. So they kind of owed him. <laughs> they don't? Because they were mean to him when he wanted to be a Jungle Cruise skipper, which is pretty funny to me nowadays. Wow. But yeah, maybe they owed him. But they did do the entire Frozen cast, so that was really what it was. was. Cool. And they probably knew they were going <laughs> to announce the new movie soon, so like, let's bring some more attention to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, marketing. All this crap is just marketing. It is. That's what it is. Disney, Disney is a marketing company that just happens yes, to make film. Yep. Mm-hmm. I it know. Yeah. It used to be a film company. Yeah. Mm. All right. Were they, though? Anything else? Mm. I could debate that. Disney was always well, about... He wanted to make quality content, he was, but he definitely was in it to get some attention. Yeah. yeah. He mm. did have an ego, didn't he? Yeah, but that's okay. But he was a creator. In his heart, he was a creator. Like, he, he was, was a, a marketer. Creator, yeah. He was a businessman. He was shrewd. But he had a love mm. for the art itself, too. Yeah. Like, that's... Not everybody can toe that line, and he did. And George well. does, too, which I think is really great. For yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. But they definitely like the money side, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, who yeah. doesn't like money when they get oh, started man. their hands on Do it? Do you imagine $4.5 billion for something you created? <sighs> like, I can't fathom. See, I don't... So I'm a control freak when it comes to my content, like mm-hmm. anything I As do. Is George, uh huh, yes, yes, mm-hmm. I I relate with him on that mm-hmm. because I we've had I've had what was it? There was a couple people who like sent me actual proposals in my podcast one of like helping me with my marketing through podcasting or helping mm-hmm. or through social media. And I'm like, mm, no, I, I like to control myself. I don't want you making my content. Like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. So the idea, like, I don't know how Lucas was able to let it go. Like me, I feel like I would be like, no, you can have it when I die. <laughs> like, uh, this is mine. Well, I know like the podcast I was briefly listening to this morning, 
thank you very much podcast. And I, I don't remember who was on it. I probably should look that up. Anyway, he was talking about how George Lucas had made this movie um, about like the fighter pilots. They were a black team of fighter pilots that came back after one of the wars and they were like shunned because they were black. And it was like oh, a whole thing. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm talking um, about? Yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that he made the movie. He paid for the movie. He went to Fox and he's like, we have a great history. Will you please release this movie? And they were like, eh, you have to pay for the marketing because we don't really think this is going to sell. And so he put like a hundred like million dollars into making the movie, marketing the movie, all of that. He got 50 million back uh, from the box office. And from what he was saying, he thinks that was kind of George's turning point where he was just like, this is just it's too much work because like you said like he's a creator like mm -hmm. you said that's mm -hmm. what he wants to do and this is just starting to get too much businessy things yeah. you know the politics and all that i think was starting to weigh on him and he was just like you know i just am ready to take a break and that's be what done. it does that's what it does it, just, it, it kills your yes. creativity it kills your love mm -hmm. for the craft yeah yeah it was red tails Right, um, yeah. Which mm -hmm. I'm surprised that they didn't think it'd be good. Like it stars Cuba G Gooding Jr. Hmm. I kind of remember seeing like a trailer I, for it. Yeah, I remember seeing the trailer for it too. Mm -hmm. It was 20, 2012. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um Gerald McRaney's in it. Like there are some Terrence Howard's in it. Mm -hmm. There's some big names. Yeah. What? Michael B. Jordan's in it. Wow. Where Neo? Yeah, I don't know. Leslie Odom Jr.'s in it? What the heck? Why did Fo Brian Cranston's in it? Jeez. Oh, yeah. Why would they not think this was going to do well? Because they're studio execs. Dumb and they're dumbs. very, very stupid. I am yeah. not putting this on my list. I'm not seeing this movie. I want to watch it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it, but I definitely remember like the trailer for it. Hmm. I don't think I remember that. I'm trying to think back. Like, maybe I probably saw it, and it just—I don't know. I'm trying to. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I'm just adding it. Yeah. That's gonna. I'm sure it's a good a movie. I mean. Notification. Sure. No, it sounds amazing. Yeah, it mm -hmm. does. So it's a crew of African American pilots in the uh, Tus Tus Tuskegee Tus Tuskegee Tuskegee. Yeah, something like that training program okay. having faced segregation while kept mostly on the ground during world war ii are called okay. into duty under the guidance of colonel aj bullard so world war ii um <laughs> fighter pilots huh no who is bullard who played bullard where are you bullard parents howard uh, okay interesting that's cool yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else about George that either of you know or have heard that you want to share on today's podcast? No, I think you pretty much nailed it. I will say this, like what you were saying about um, him being, you know, parting from his creation when he sold it to Disney. Like mm -hmm. part of it, I believe, was the Hollywood stuff. But I think a big part of that, and we've talked about this before, like it was kind of our fault as in like the fans like, collectively. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. we really went hard on him with the prequels. That's fair. I mean, the prequels have their problems, and we're all aware of it. But like, he did not deserve that much abuse when they mm -hmm. when they came out, you know. And I mean, even I look at myself, and I'm like the way I was back then. Like, I never openly posted how much I disliked them, 
But I remember in my mind, like, raging against George Lucas. And I was like, good God. It's like, no, that's horrible. Like, mm -hmm. it was a horrible mindset to have. So, like, at that point, I feel like he was kind of like, you know, he just kind of got burned too much. He didn't care anymore, you know? Yeah, that's probably true. And I true. think we, we kind of bear the responsibility of that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. But... Me too, yeah. You know, it's funny. I loved Phantom Menace when it came out. I loved Same. it. Same. And I believe I loved Attack of the Clones. I'm pretty sure, like, growing up, like, when those came out, I loved both of them. Mm -hmm. What I hated was Revenge of the Sith. And it wasn't because of George. It was because I knew what was going to happen. Right. And I didn't want to see it happen. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. And see, then I, I think yeah. when I got older is when I started like, what is these? What are these movies? Why were they made this way sort of deal? But when they were coming out, I know I enjoyed them. I didn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember I remember enjoying The Phantom Menace when I first saw it. And I remember enjoying it when I saw it again, when it came out on VHS back then. But I remember enjoying it a little bit less. And then each time I saw it, I enjoyed it less and less and less. And then I was like, I really don't care for this movie very much. And then mm -hmm. Attack of the Clones came out and I was like, yes, it's okay, but it's kind of slow pace. It's losing me. And then Revenge of the Sith came out and I was like, yes, this is what I want. I like this. Mm -hmm. And to this day, that's still kind of how I feel about it. So I don't know. It's I mean, interesting. When we re when I rewatched the prequels last year when we did mm -hmm. our Star Wars summer, um, I don't remember what I said, but part of me feels like I still do enjoy Phantom Menace. I still do enjoy kind mm. of watching the younger part of Anakin. For sure. Kind of, you got um, young Obi-Wan. Just that part of the story, I think I still kind of, the little kid in me still really enjoys it. I hate mm -hmm. Attack of the Clones. Not because, <laughs> fair enough, again, fair enough. Not because of George. Right. Mm -hmm. Not because of the storyline. Mm-hmm. Anakin just gets whiny. He remind you know what he reminds me of? And I mean, this came out before, I think, Harry Potter's fifth book. But it reminds, like, Attack of the Clones reminds me of whiny Harry Potter. <laughs> like, I, can, I hate I can watching. See that. Yeah. I, can see I hate that. watching Order of the Phoenix so because dramatic. of how whiny he is. <laughs> Shut up. I get yeah. it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's no, he's, really... he's definitely hard to like in that movie. I, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, it's a good yeah. association. Mm -hmm. yeah. All the other scenes in Attack of the Clones, like with Obi-Wan and what he's doing when we meet Django. Django, mm -hmm. Django, Django, Django. Yeah, Django. <laughs> um, Django I love fit. those. I, I can watch that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anakin and Do you Adam remember, mm. do, you, <laughs> um, do you remember a YouTube creator called That Guy With The Glasses? uh vaguely vaguely i think it's the same guy he's called he does another one called uh, or he's now he's known as um oh it's slipping me oh complete brain fart he's he's he still does stuff but he changed his brand uh -huh. i think it's nostalgia critic i think that's right okay. anyway mm -hmm. but back in youtube's early early heydays he would do these uh this series of videos called um movies in five seconds so he'd take famous movies and condense it now to here's the story in five seconds you know Star Wars in five seconds, Jurassic Park in five seconds. And he did Attack of the Clones. And it's literally just him doing a voiceover with clips of Anakin. And he's going, I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm confused, I'm in love, I'm frustrated, I'm torn, I'm weak, I'm emotionally distraught by the turn of events that have been bestowed upon me. And then it cuts to Obi-Wan going, oh God, aren't you Darth Vader yet? <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. I was like, yeah, pretty much sums it up right there. Um, yeah. Funny. accurate yeah yeah all right well we should probably wrap this up mm -hmm. uh 
Pixie Dusters, I hope you learned a little something new about our favorite director today. Uh, as we walk yeah. into the rest of our Star Wars stuff we're going to be talking about. Uh, join us next week as we talk about our ultimate favorite composer who will probably be composing music for Star Wars until he dies. Oh, yeah. um, John Williams. So <sighs> have a great Can't week, wait. Pixie Dusters. We'll see you then. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Pixie Dust Twins, Sammy and Ashley. Make sure you like, follow, and subscribe to the Limitless Podcast Network's own channel, Instagram, and all things social media. And we'll see you all real soon.